0: Talk about this morning for a few moments, two ways, one choice, two ways, one choice. Uh, Today we will have three that will be baptized, more next week. Uh, But uh, two of the three that will be baptized this morning are some of our DA kids, Dorseyville Alliance kids. So the children are going to remain in here, so they will not be going to Children's Church today so that they can uh, celebrate uh, with their fellow DA kids in uh, their decision to be baptized this morning. So last week we uh, took Eli, our oldest, to college, and one of the days that we were there... He was off doing his college things and uh, the rest of us were left to figure out what are we going to do for dinner. And so there was a diner that uh, we had gone to ways back when we had visited the school. Uh, but we decided to go to that diner again. We had liked it there. And, you know, the great thing about a diner is that you can get just about anything that you want. Diners don't focus on one thing. They have a broad range of food. So you could get breakfast for dinner. You could have a salad for dinner. You could have a cup of soup or a bowl of soup. You could have a burger. You could have a a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. You could have steak. You could have chicken. You could have fish. You could have pasta. You could have Asian. And then within each of those categories, there were like six or seven different choices, at least in all of those. And for a person who loves variety and loves to just say, hmm, what do I feel like today? A diner is like the greatest invention known to man. And there are some diners who you can even say, I don't know if this one was like that, but you can even say, you know, I don't see this on the menu, but would you be able to prepare this for me? And many diners will because they have such a wide range of ingredients. They'll be like, yeah, it's not on the menu, but we'll see if the cooks can do it. And many times they will. There's this wide range of choices. And for a person who loves variety and loves to just be like, what do I feel like today? It's the perfect place. Now, there's a downside to that. There is also decision overload, isn't there? Sometimes you can look at all of those decisions and be like, oh, no. What am I going to pick? Do I feel like breakfast? Do I feel like steak? Do I feel like pasta? Do I feel like a sandwich? Do I feel like a burger? Oh, I kind of feel like that, but I really kind of... And then you make your choice and they bring it out. And what inevitably happens is decision regret. As you see the person that you're sharing the table with or the person at the next table get the thing that you thought about getting but didn't and then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, look how good that is. I wish I had gotten that. All these choices. And we live in a culture, don't we, that loves to have variety, that loves to have choices. Endless choices before us. Sometimes this desire spills over into faith. We want to have many choices. We want to have many ways. Many times people say, I'll take a little bit of this part of a faith and this part of a faith and this part of a faith and I'm going to bring it in and kind of create my own faith. But when we see Jesus and we see his Sermon on the Mount and his countercultural teaching, it becomes clear for us that there really are only two ways, and we really only have one choice. In each of these ways, these two ways, there is a gate to enter, a road to travel, a destination to arrive at, and travelers to travel with. But there really is only one choice. Two ways, one choice. Jesus defines these for us, so let's look at what he says. The first way, way number one, when it comes to the gate, the gate in the first way is wide. Verse 13, for wide is the gate. Gates were common in Jesus' day. They're not so common in our day. Many cities had walls around them and so to get into a city you would go in through a gate an opening that would be guarded many times especially if there were intruders or enemies at the at the walls of the city and you're trying to keep them out they would close the gates and so gates were a common idea for Jesus as he was talking to those who were listening to him preach the Sermon on the Mount, they would have understood. Wide is the gate, a wide gate. When we were taking Eli, we traveled from Pennsylvania all the way through Ohio and into Indiana, and we traveled the Pennsylvania Turnpike, the Ohio Turnpike, and the Indiana Turnpike. And what do they have on turnpikes but toll plazas? And that's probably the best way for me to be able to explain that when you drive through these toll plazas, you have one lane. There is a gate, or in these plazas where you drive through, that would be a way to think about a gate, an entry point to a road. In Ohio, you go through, and no matter even if you have Easy Pass or not, there is a gate. That comes down, you're not going through until it has accepted your easy pass or else you're going to be busting through some gate. But one way or another, there is this entry point into the turnpike. Jesus says on this first way, wide is this entry point. Wide is the gate. In other words, anyone can get through. Anything can get through. A person can bring Whatever baggage they want. Whatever sin issues they want. Whatever beliefs they want. Whatever ideas they have. Whatever preference they may have. You name it. They can bring anything because the gate is so wide. Basically, I can come on my terms in my way the way I want to do it. Anyone can enter on any terms they want. Wide is the gate. Once they enter the gate on this first way this wide gate enters into a broad road wide is the gate and broad is the road it's wide it's expansive in my imagination if you think of smooth driving this is that road there are no bumps on it there are no detours there are no difficulties it's just smooth sailing there's nothing standing in your way it's just wide wide road there's lots of room for all of your sin for all of your baggage for all of your beliefs for all of your ideas for all of your preferences today we hear the slogan you do you Have you heard that you do you. This would describe the broad road. You just you do you. Whatever you want to do, you do you. That may not be what I want to do, but if that's you, you do you. I'll do me. You do you and we're just all going to be on this road together. We can this this gate is wide, this road is wide. There's plenty of room for all of us. You do you, she'll do her, he'll do him, I'll do myself. We'll just cruise along. On this broad road. The destination though, even though this sounds good, right? Do whatever you want. Live however you want. You do you. The destination is not good. The destination is destruction. Wide is the gate. Broad is the road that leads where? To destruction. It seems like the dream situation until you find out where this road is leading you. In the day-to-day living, eventually you doing you and me doing me, it's going to lead us to run into one another. There's going to be destruction. As much as we like to think I'll do me and you do you, and we'll just all kind of go along and get along, eventually... Me doing me and you doing you, we're going to run into one another. And my way of doing me and your way of doing you are going to conflict. And it sounds ideal. Just everybody do what they want on this broad road. But in day-to-day living, it becomes really, really, really impractical. As my way interferes with your way and your way interferes with my way. thinking about this in terms of, you know, sometimes you have people who just make decisions that I'm going to make my own decision. I'm going to say whatever I want on social media. I'm going to put out what there because I have my right to just say whatever I want. Well, saying whatever I want hurts someone else. There comes a point in our lives where we all face this reality that doing what I want to do, you doing you and me doing me, we eventually cause hurt and destruction to one another. Eternally, there's an even bigger thing. This road, even though it causes conflict here and destruction and pain in the day-to-day living, the end destination is a very real place called hell. The Bible doesn't mince words. Jesus doesn't mince words about it. Hell is a very real place of eternal separation from God where there is conscious torment forever and ever. We don't like to think about hell, but Jesus talked about it. Scriptures talk about it regularly, and we need to recognize there is a re- very real place called hell that is the end of, destination, the end of eternal destruction for those who say, I am going to enter the wide gate and this broad road on to destruction. That is the eternal end. Sometimes people say, I want to go to hell because all my buddies will be there. But the worst description I've ever come across for what hell is, is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, that it is absolute devoid of God. What makes hell so bad is that everything that is good in this life is because of the goodness of God in some way that we experience. Take him out, and there is nothing good. There will be no buddies. There will be no friends. It is absolute regret. It is absolute isolation. It is horror upon horror. We need to understand the reality of it. Wide is the gate. Broad the road that leads to destruction. And the travelers are, Jesus says, many. Many are on it. There's no shortage of people on this road. Many are on it. Jesus is saying that if you want to be in the majority, if you want to be what most people are doing, this is the road to take. Way number 1. Way number 2 is really the Jesus way. Early Christians, one of the ways one of the names that they were called, they were called people of the way. <laughs> people of the way, way number 2, which is what Jesus gives as the alternative. This way The gate is small. Unlike the first way, this gate is small, it is narrow. There's no room for excess baggage. There's no room for sin. There's no way for, no room for my competing beliefs, my ideas, my preferences, because this area, this gate is so small that you come just as you are. Not with all of the excess stuff that we would like to travel on in that broad road that the wide gate allows for. This is so small, it is me and only me, you and only you that enters this gate. When our kids were young, we'd go to the children's museum and they had this maze called the limb stretcher. (laughs) And you would kind of make your way up and wind all the way up and up and up and up and up. Sometimes it'd be like, come on, come on, dad. Let me take the entrance to that thing. Like for kids, kids are like sucking their way in. It's so small. Matt, an adult, it's like the most, like you get in, if you're claustrophobic at all, you're like, no, no, no. You get in there for a second and you're like, I'm out, I'm out. But that, when I think of what Jesus is saying, I think of that. This entryway is so small. Small is the gate. Go back. Narrow is the gate. If you leave your finger in Matthew for a moment and turn for a quick second to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, to John chapter 10, verses seven through nine. John 7 through nine. I want you to see this because Jesus talks about this gate But then he says something very interesting as he describes himself as the shepherd of his sheep. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. Then, therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Do you hear that? I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And he says again, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me, he will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is making this amazing, intense claim. On this way, there is a gate, and it is small, it is narrow, And that gate has a name. That gate is a person. That gate is Jesus. He makes these claims that says, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, after Jesus had ascended into heaven and his disciples were standing before the religious leaders, they the religious, or or Peter and John tell the religious leaders this, there is no other name under heaven by which men and women and young men and young women and boys and girls can be saved except the name of Jesus. This way is so narrow, this gate is so small because there is one way into it and that is Jesus. Jesus is The gate. So we enter that gate through Christ. The road, he says, is narrow. There are clear boundaries on this road. There are rules that govern it. The phrase, you do you, and the mentality, you do you, does not work here. The phrase that we adopt is, I do what Jesus says. I do what. What Jesus does. I follow Jesus. This can seem like pretty narrow thinking. This can seem really difficult at times. But the reality is, losing what I want actually leads to something that is so good and that is life. Small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. The the destination is full, abundant life. Day to day, Jesus says that he has come that we might have life and have it to the full. Though this life following Jesus is difficult, narrow roads, narrow ways, narrow pathways, narrow entrances are not easy. Oftentimes, following Jesus is hard. This road is not an easy road to travel. It's why most people are on the other one. But it is the road and the pathway to life. Sometimes life, and we think Oh, life means that in this life, I'm going to have comfort. I'm going to have ease. I'm going to have lots of money. I'm never going to get sick. No one's ever going to get mad at me for my, my beliefs in Jesus. That it's going to be this comfy life. That we're entering into this thing that's just going to, oh, this is the best thing ever. I'm living the, the best life here on earth. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Jesus said, if they treated me this way, they're going to treat you this way. So he he lets us know this road is not good, but this road is full of life. It's full of peace, it's full of joy. It's full of being spared all the stuff that happens when I do me and you do you and we run into one another and the destruction that comes to life. We're spared that from what I do to others. And there's a life at the end of the road. Life everlasting. The fullness of joy. We sang we just want to be with you. That that heaven begins here on earth. The kingdom has come. Therefore we experience life with him. But the fullness of it is one day. Either when we pass from this life into the next. Or Jesus comes back. Whichever comes first. And we are with the Lord forever. That is the fullness of life. And everything that is wrong with this world. Will be gone. The fullness of life. Life everlasting. A life that never ends. A life that is with God. He will be our God and we will be his people forever and ever and ever. That is the destination. That is what we look forward to. That is our hope. That is the end result of this road. The travelers though, Jesus says, the travelers are are few. This road is often lonely. The travelers are few. It's why we need one another. Being on this road shouldn't be something that is just convenient for us and we figure out how we walk this road with the other travelers when it works. But this is when we realize this road is not easy. We need one another. It should press us into one another. I need to be with one another, with other people who are traveling this road. If the travelers are few, then we need to be with others who are traveling that road. If it's not an easy road, we need to be with others who are on that road. This road with a small gate, narrow, leading to life, and few travelers is the way of Jesus. So, this morning, I would ask just simply, which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? Sometimes we like to think, I'll put off that choice, I'll make that decision later but understanding that when we make no choice, we default to the first road. No choice is a choice for way number one. Choosing actively leads us to way two. It is a turning from self. It is a way of saying, I leave my desires, my ways, though I'm not going to be perfect heading into this. It's why I need Jesus. I'm saying, Jesus... Whatever you say along the way, I'm going to trust you in this journey, but I am going to say all that I want, all that I think, my ideas, my preferences, my being in charge, I'm saying, as I understand it best, I enter your way by faith. I trust that what you did on the cross is enough for me to enter that way. And I say yes to following Jesus. The three this morning and those next week are saying today, I have decided way number two. I have received Jesus as my Savior. I've entered that gate. He is my Savior, my Lord, and I want to walk the Jesus way. Does that mean they're going to walk it perfectly every day? I can tell you from my life, no, that's why we need his love. That's why we need his grace. That's why we need his guidance, so we can run back to him when we, when we struggle on that road. But we're making the decision today. I have decided to follow Jesus. And today, one of the great things about baptism is we do it with others who are on the road. So this should not be, baptism should not be them being baptized and everyone just sitting there. This should be celebration. Celebration. This should be cheering one another on. This should be outwardly expressing what we're going to be doing, walking in encouragement for each of these as they walk this life. It's okay. If you can go to a football game or a baseball game or a concert and have somebody do something and cheer, we should be able to cheer one another on. It should be our expectation to cheer one another on as fellow travelers together. So in a moment, those three are going to be baptized. And just as a reminder or as an explanation, if you're unsure what baptism means, baptism does not save you. This does not make you saved. This is a step of obedience. Harry talked last week about faith and works. Our faith demonstrated in works. Jesus said to be baptized as a re- after we've made the decision to follow Jesus. And so it is an outward demonstration of what Jesus has done in us. When folks are above the water, it represents their life before Jesus, before they got on the Jesus way. When they go under the water, it represents being united with Jesus in his death and in his burial. And when they come back up, it represents being raised just like Jesus was, raised to a new life, a new life following Christ. Are you excited to celebrate those who are saying, I want to be on the Jesus way? Are you excited? All right. Well, let me pray for us, and let's get ready to celebrate these baptisms together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the way of life that you offer to us.